0: hey, let's pray and let's, let's get this show on the road. Come on. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we give this morning to you. Thank you for an opportunity to worship your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all go ahead. Sit down. Sit down. I'm used to yelling at kids, so that's generally my tone. Sit down. Well, my name is Jordan, and over the past Series. the past couple weeks we have been talking about some of the biggest blockbuster movies over the past year and it has been so much fun. I love movies. I mean, I'm the kind of person who can get sucked into anything that I am watching on the screen. I mean, countless hours of my life have been wasted just being glued to some no-name program that nobody else has ever seen or nobody wants to talk about, but that's just who I am. I can get frustrated, or my wife can get real frustrated by this. We have three small children, all right? We got a four, we got a two and a half, and we got a half, okay? So if you add all that up, it's trouble, okay? So there's always headlines going on after a long day I'm at work, and my wife just wants to just tell me what's going on, just say, yeah, he bit him, and he kicked him, and then he bit him in the foot. It was crazy. And I am just constantly battling the urge to not just get sucked into whatever Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, whatever is just on the TV. I'm at war, y'all. It is so hard. It can be so frustrating for her. And maybe you've got young kids, so you get this, but in the grand scheme of my life, I am way too invested in the overall plot line of PJ Masks. I am. The character development, I mean, I'm telling you, we're watching Owlette, Catboy, and and Gecko. we're watching them grow up before our eyes, you know what I mean? I'm way too into it, I am. I mean, I'm literally out here taking notes watching the show Bluey, because this dad plays with his kids way too much. Like there's zero shot that he's got a job, I'm calling it right now. I'm so intimidated by him. Megan has even caught me humming along to, ooh, it's hard to say. I've even been caught humming along to Coco Melon with their big dead eyes and their creepy sausage fingers. And just, I, I'll just be, yeah, sometimes I'll look up and I'll realize there's not even any children in the room, that I'm a grown man just sitting here humming along to Coco Melon. It is, I get into it, I get invested. I mean, I also get emotionally invested into movies. You may not think it looking at this, but when it comes to movies, I'm a crier. <laughs> I got it from my mama. She's a crier too. But I have cried in all sorts of movies. I've cried in romance movies, I'll admit that. I've cried in tragic movies, sad movies, war movies, movies with dogs. We've all cried in movies with dogs. One time at a, uh, a double date, Megan and I went to, some, uh, to the movie theater with some friends, and I got caught crying during a movie preview. That's bad. I mean, in my defense, this is not right what they did. They made a movie about a military dog, okay, struggling with the loss of its owner. That's like a triple doozy. Why would they do that to people? Of course I cried in that preview. Anyway, my buddy saw me. He saw the water. I mean, he probably got splashed on in the splash zone. But I was crying so hard, and he just slugged me in the shoulder. He said, what is wrong with you? I played it off real good like we men do. And I said, what's up? You oh? Oh, no, it's uh, allergies. This movie looks terrible. <laughs> Stupid. I get into it. I do. I can't even think about some movies without tearing up. I mean, I know it's not on everybody's top 10 list, but the movie Armageddon gets me every single time. At the end, you got Ben Affleck, you got Bruce Willis. Oh, pff, forget about it. I mean, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but Pastor Kerry kind of looks like Bruce Willis. <laughs> I mean, one time I just saw him walk into an elevator and something in my brain just clicked. And I just was like, I heard that Aerosmith song. You know, don't wanna close my, it's just going, right? And then I just pictured him saying like, you take care of my little girl. And just the whole, I just lost it. Just, oh, the whole thing, I lost it. I get into movies. I am passionate about them. And so when PK told me that I was gonna wrap up this series, that I got to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, a movie that, yes, I cried in, deal with it. I was so excited, but more importantly, I get to walk through the end of Psalm 23. Oh my gosh, what an incredible, incredible opportunity. Ryan and Josh did a fantastic job, and we're gonna continue as we talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. See, this movie takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Maybe you've seen these movies, they're incredible. I love them so much, but in this movie, Spidey comes face to face with his greatest challenge yet. You see, fighting crime is no issue compared to what he has to deal with in No Way Home. He is struggling with the loss of Aunt May, the woman who raised him, the only constant in his hectic, hectic life. And I'm here today to tell you that hurt is coming. There's no escaping the hurt in our lives, not for superheroes in the make-believe and not for you and me in real life. Today, we're gonna talk about our own hardships, how God wants to stand by our side through the valleys so that we can find hope, peace, and purpose. Let's stand together as we read the ends of Psalm 23, verses four through six. Let's read this out loud together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we thank you for this passage. God, we hear you. The valleys in life are coming, and we need you. Teach us something from your word today. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Y'all can go ahead and sit down. We've all heard that passage before. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we all walk through dark valleys in life. The Bible shows us that there are five things about valleys that we need to know. The first thing is this, that valleys are inevitable. Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verse 33, In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He is letting us know that we will go through dark valleys. We will endure hardships. It's a part of life that we cannot control. What we can do is surrender to the one who is in control, and we will make it through. The second thing about valleys is that valleys are unpredictable. The only thing predictable about the valleys of life is that they are coming. We can think, we can try to prepare, we can do whatever we think we can, but isn't life funny? It will throw us into the one situation that we were unprepared for. You know where I find comfort in the valley? It's that even though I may be totally surprised by these dark, dark valleys, by these scary moments, by this hardship in my life, God is not. He's still on his throne. Whatever valley you're in right now, God wasn't surprised by it. In fact, he was already grieving for you before you even got there. The third thing about valleys is that valleys are impartial. Whether you're the richest person in the world or you're barely scraping by. Heck, you may be world famous or completely unknown. You might be the most devout hallelujah, mm-hmm, amen and Christian in the world, or maybe you're the most hardened atheist. No one gets to skip over the valleys of life. In the movie, as Spider-Man is walking through the unbearable grief that you go through when you experience loss, he believes that no one else gets it, that he's completely alone. When we go through dark valleys in our life, the biggest lie that the enemy has for us is that no one else gets it, is that no one else understands what you're going through, that you're all alone in your grief. And you have to be. When we believe this lie, it keeps us disconnected from God and disconnected from others. The very thing we need to experience healing. Maybe today you're going through a dark valley. Maybe it's the gut-wrenching pain of a relationship that's falling apart. You feel like you're all alone, that no one else understands what you're going through. Maybe you're dealing with overwhelming grief. There's been an unbearable loss in your life. You can't imagine that anyone else out there feels the same depth of despair. Looking around you, life is just going on for everyone else when your life is at a complete standstill. Maybe you're in the dark, dark valley of depression and looking around, everyone else just seems so happy that no one else is carrying the weight that you carry. That is just not true. You are not alone. We have a God who feels the depth of our pain, and I guarantee you that there are many out there in this very church who have gone through or are going through the same valley as you. There is a fourth thing the Bible tells us about valleys, and it is so important to know. The fourth thing is this, valleys are temporary. That valley is not gonna last forever. Remember how David puts it in Psalm 23, verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Through, you don't stay there. God promises you as a believer that you will make it through. The apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter one. In this you greatly, greatly rejoice. Where is it? In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Did you get that? For a little while, We don't stay in the valley, even though it feels like it. When you're in the valley, it feels like it'll never end. That's just the way it feels. But in the light of eternity, all valleys are temporary. When I was nine years old, my family took a trip to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Now, sign me up for theme parks, y'all. I am a big fan. I love every aspect about theme parks. I love the attractions. I love the fatty foods. I mean, y'all know that calories don't count at theme parks, right? It's a fantastic rule the Lord ordained. Hallelujah, right? I also love those those carnival games that are clearly a ripoff. I'm telling you, there's like 150 basketballs in my parents' attic right now, which just adds up to an insane amount of money. I am so sorry. Sorry but I love it, I love theme parks, but my favorite thing about theme parks are roller coasters. And 21 years ago, as my family was going on this trip, Universal was debuting the biggest, the baddest, the craziest, the scariest roller coaster that I had ever seen in my life. I mean, it had flips, it had turns, it had twists, it had tunnels, it had water features, you name it, it had it. I noted that I am a fan of roller coasters, but that has not always been the case. 21 years ago, as Universal was debuting the Incredible Hulk, this roller coaster was insane. I was incredibly terrified to go on it. My big sister, Alex, on the other hand, was not. She had been eyeballing this coaster the whole time. She would always rock her three-inch platform shoes. We called her her theme park shoes, right? They were, they were the ugliest things I've ever seen. But it made sure that every height requirement was accommodated. She always, I mean, it's just a joke, y'all. She'd just be in there like, like a baby giraffe just walking in. Next. Oh, gosh. And she wanted to go on this thing so bad, but of course she needed her little brother to go with her. Why? I fought, I spat, I kicked, I cried, I caused a scene. I have no idea how my parents or my family was okay with this, because right now where I'm at in my family, if my kid sneezes in public, I'm like, you shut it down! You keep that inside. But I caused a scene. There was no way I was ever going on this roller coaster. No, I saw grown people coming off of it just shaking. Why would I do that? I'm just a little kid, this is ridiculous, no! The next thing I know, I'm being shepherded on to my front row seat. Because, of course, we waited the extra hour to get front row seats. And I mean, this is when I truly begin to panic, y'all. I mean, tears. I'm like, I, I'm nine years old, so my attempt at cussing, like, yeah, I'm doing everything I can. And it's insane. I'm causing a scene. This 16 year old ride operator is just looking at me awkwardly, like, what do I do with this kid? And then he looks at my sister who gives him the He's good. And then they buckled me in. And we press Are you kidding me? Like I have no say in this. And then I don't know if you know if you've been on roller coasters, you like roller coasters, maybe you're afraid of heights, but there's a moment on a roller coaster, right? Where they just go and they press the big red button. And then your roller coaster just goes and then it just starts like just slowly clicking while you're just sitting in there, just like going up. It ascended for way too long, and I just sat there broken. It's like, there's nothing, I have no say in life. And it's just, I was, I was in it, and it lasted forever. It was too much for my nine-year-old self. As we reached the top and my impending doom, I decided that I was going to stare down my sister and give every ounce of energy that I had left, and that I was going to just pour it into one uh, angry gaze, right? I wanted the last thing that she ever saw was to be me, just letting her know that you did this to me. I wanted it burned in her brain. Alex just stared back with gleeful anticipation (laughs) and the sweetest, biggest grin, and she just extended a hand and pressed on. What am I supposed to do to that, right? I reluctantly take her hand, just as the Incredible Hulk spat us through a tunnel, down the biggest drop ever, over a loop, through twists, turns, everything. It was agony, y'all. I mean, getting just tossed around and doing all this was insane. I thought it was never, ever gonna end. But finally, the roller coaster did that thing that they do at the end of roller coasters where it just like jerks you to a stop. And I saw that number one, It was over. Number two, we were alive. And number three, I was so happy. I mean, mainly because numbers one and two are true, but I got through it. And you know, to this day, I'm so grateful that I had an older sister who pushed me through that and held my hand through the entire thing. There will be times when life gets really tough. It feels like that valley will never end. You doubt you'll ever make it through but it's only for a little while. We can take hold of our good shepherd's hand and sooner or later, he will get us through. With God's power, you will make it through. The fifth thing about valleys, and maybe the most important is this. Valleys are purposeful. We usually can't see it at the time, but every valley has a purpose. And honestly, we'll never understand the complete purpose of life's dark valleys until we experience the light of heaven. But one purpose that we can hold on to, one thing that we can know is that faith is built in the dark valleys of life. God uses the dark valleys we go through to build our faith and grow our character. I know for me, it's in the valley that my character has grown the most. When my relationship with Megan started to get serious, she made it very clear to me that I would be asking for her, uh, her, her father for her hand in marriage. Of course, this was something that I was planning on, and honestly, even looking forward to. You know, you may think that having that conversation with Pastor Kerry Shook can be intimidating, <laughs> but honestly, I wasn't sweating it one bit. No, P.K. and I were tight. He had approached me years before He had heard that I was pursuing a career in ministry and he wanted to mentor me. So we'd go grab coffee, get dinner. We'd go and we'd watch Rockets and Astros games. We'd talk shop. We'd hang out. We were boys. The idea of asking for his daughter's hand in marriage was easy, exciting even. I was so looking forward to it. I planned my message and I was ready to rock. The plan was to talk it out as soon as we sat down snag a blessing, and then we'd be partying the rest of the evening. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was gonna be great, yeah? And at this point, he'd coached me up real good in the pastorly arts, so my presentation and my delivery were flawless. I mean, I'm telling you, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, y'all. I wanted them to know, too. Hey, hey, I'm asking for this, guys. How are you, right? I mean, everybody heard it, right? I remember waiting for his response. He calmly and coolly just looked at me, and he finally said, No. (laughs) The thing about being tight with your girlfriend's dad is that uh, he's got a much keener insight to your immaturities. (laughs) I did not think about that. I then had to go to my house and tell my seven roommates and the overall extension of our friend group because, of course, I was the first one to have the future father-in-law conversation. And they were like, tell me how it was, what'd you do And it was like, and he said no. (laughs) I'm fine, it was agony. It was tough to say the least. I had mapped out my future with Megan and in one conversation, the whole plan was busted. Okay, look, I'm being dramatic. He didn't just say no, he said not yet. He said, ask me again in six months. That's still a no, obviously, right? (laughs) I mean, the truth is that I still had a long way to go. If I was gonna lead a family, he offered me some great wisdom that I know has done wonders in my marriage. But at the time, I was completely shook, pun intended. (laughs) I'm a dad now, I can do that. (laughs) Honestly, I am so grateful for that valley. God led me through it. It was frustrating, confusing. I had to make a lot of sacrifices that I did not want to make, but he grew my character. And six months later, when we came back for round two, it was wonderful, terrifying, like way worse, like way more nerve wracking, but it was still wonderful. Carrie embraced me before I could even ask the question. He offered me his blessing and he welcomed me into the family. God uses the valleys in our life to grow us into who we are meant to be. Whether it's an unexpected dead end that you're running to, an overwhelming problem, crushing despair, he has a reason. We don't always know the plan, but we can know that God never wastes a valley. He wants to use it to strengthen your faith, to grow your character, and grow you closer to himself. Now, it's true that God never wastes the valley, but we can. If we turn away from our good shepherd's hand, we refuse his hand of guidance. It may seem like God is leaving you in the valley, but the truth is that God is leading you through the valley. It is our choice to either willingly walk through it with him or to go it alone. The people that I know that have gone through the deepest, darkest valleys, holding on to God as the only one that they had, well, those people are the richest, sweetest, most beautiful souls that I have ever met. For all of us, if we never went through any valleys in life, then our souls would dry up. There'd be no depth through our character. We'd be lacking in maturity. We wouldn't have any wisdom or discernment, and we wouldn't really get to experience the depth of God's love for us. Early on in our marriage, Megan hit a wall of depression. On top of that, she was dealing with some autoimmune issues that was zapping all the energy out of her body. This was a difficult season for us. I mean, obviously, it took a huge toll on Megan, but for me, as a newlywed husband, I was overwhelmed with what to do. Every husband wants to be his wife's hero, to solve every problem and to to, to be there for every hurt. I mean, how do I take care of someone when there's nothing that I can physically do to help? I felt so powerless in that season. But it was in that season that God showed me a powerful lesson. In order to truly love Megan, I didn't have to take away her depression. In fact, I couldn't. My job was to be there for her and to encourage her to stay close to God, even when it seemed impossible. And it was a long season. It felt like we were gonna be in that valley forever, but somehow God got us through He strengthened our friendship, and he strengthened our marriage. Now it is such an honor to get to do ministry, to get to do life, to get to walk through valleys with people who are struggling through depression. And to get to do that with Megan, it's it's such an honor to see the love and the empathy that she can have for someone. It's a true blessing. We can't offer a cure, but we can joyfully come alongside you. We can offer hope that God is good, and that there is a purpose behind the pain. If we hold on to these facts about valleys, it will help us keep perspective and to not be overwhelmed in life's toughest seasons. But the real question is this, we can know everything we need to know about a valley, but how do we make it through the valleys of life? We make it through the valleys of life by number one, we remember that God is with you. Going back to that verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The reason we don't have to be stuck in fear is because God is with us. If you're a Christ follower, there is no valley that you will ever experience that you have to walk through without God. When we walk through valleys by ourselves, that's when we get into real trouble. We forget that God is with us or we refuse it saying we wanna go our own way. Not only is God with you, but there are so many other believers right here who are wanting to walk with you too. If you're struggling with mental health issues, guess what, here at Woodlands Church, we have a whole counseling team who are ready to walk with you through that. If you've gone through the pain of divorce, we have divorce care. If you're struggling through grief, we have grief share. If it's an addiction, we have restoration. So many of our ministries were started by people going through dark valleys and it was turning to others to help or be helped that they found the healing they needed. When we go through valleys, we have to remember that we are not alone, that God is with us and that we have Christ followers who are ready to stand with us too. It may not feel like God is with you, but we can count on his promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The second thing to make it through the valley is this. Don't focus on the what if, focus on the what now. We can so easily get stuck in the past, in the what ifs of our life, but if we can stop asking God what if and start asking him what now, it will change everything. Brace yourselves, people, because we're about to start talking about the multiverse in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I am way too dumb to be able to do this well, so (laughs) let's do this. You see, Spider-Man No Way at Home takes place in the multiverse, ooh, right? It is a collection of parallel universes and realities that are all existing simultaneously. Is anyone lost yet? Don't worry. There are over 161 multiverses in Marvel Comics, and each and every single one of them has a separate Earth with a separate storyline with the same, ca- it, is, it is insane to even contemplate this. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe, these movies are just now dipping into this multiverse perspective, this multiverse theme in their movies. The multiverse was started under the pretense of one question, what if? What if there was a separate universe where the main character didn't have to die? What if the hero didn't win in the end? What if they passed their legacy on to someone else? What if, what if, what if? As human beings, we can get caught up in the what ifs of our own life. And I think it's a natural human perspective to wonder what if. Well, some of these what ifs are really heavy weighing on the soul. We think, what if I would have gotten that one break in my career or in that relationship? Where would I be today? What if I had focused more on my physical health earlier in life? What if I had gotten the help I needed before things got so out of hand? What if I never said those awful things or did those awful things? What if I wouldn't have made that one Bad decision. What if he would have never gotten sick? What if she would have pulled through and not been taken away so early? The trouble with this line of thinking is that when we get so caught up in the what ifs, we lose track of the what nows where God wants to take us. We focus on the what ifs because we think if we can change all the hardships, the pain and the failures from our past, then our future will be perfect. But that's not real life. We live in a universe that is broken, and life here is messy. It's a mixture of pain and pleasure, of victory and defeat, of success and failure. Real life exists on the mountaintops and in the valleys. And focusing on what could have been is not gonna get you through the hardships you're facing. In the long run, the what if mindset keeps us right where we're at. God has a much greater plan and purpose for your life for than you to hold on to a stagnant faith. And life gives us plenty of opportunities to grow through our valleys. But in order to grow through our valleys, we have to go through them. If we sulk and stay in the valley, we lose a valuable chance to fall deeper in love with a God who cares so deeply for us. When we connect with our heavenly Father, he pushes us through the valleys and on to new things. It says this in Isaiah chapter 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is telling us to not get stuck in the what ifs in the past. He's doing something right now in your life that's new. And the only way you're gonna see it is if you stop asking what if and start asking God the question, What now? This passage is saying don't get caught up in the what ifs. Heck, don't even get caught up in the what will be's of the future, but continue to ask God, what now? We overwhelm ourselves in the valley when we think, how am I gonna make it through this another year? How am I gonna make it through this another five years? What are we gonna do? When you pray, what now, God? I know one thing that he will show you, and that is to unload your fears and worries onto him. Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This passage in Philippians tells us to take all of our worries, our fears, and our frustrations, to take our hurts and to bring them to God. That's what prayer is. Don't overcomplicate it. Simply thank him for what he's done and ask for what you need. Give him your burdens. He is a big, big God. He can handle your burdens. If you think that you can overburden the God of the universe, you might need to sit down. You might need to remember your role. You might need to think, wow, God, I get to talk to you. How big are you? If we present our requests to God, if we thank him for what he's done and ask for what we need, then the Bible says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which makes no sense, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you walking through the valley of anxiety or depression? Are you dealing with fears or insecurities? To guard your minds in Christ Jesus, pray, Are you going through heartbreak or loss to guard your hearts in Christ Jesus? Pray. I want the kind of peace that David mentions in Psalm 23, verse five. This is so crazy. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We think that the celebration only happens when the danger is gone, when all the worries have been wiped away. But God prepares a feast for us right in front of our enemies. You think that the banquet comes after the fight. We pray, God, get me out of this valley. God, save me from this valley. God, 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 please, please, please take this problem out of my life. Then I'll rejoice. Then I'll praise your name. God wants to give you his peace right in the valley, right where you're at. He anoints us. He overflows our cup with comfort right in the middle of life's deepest, darkest moments. And there's nothing that we ourselves can do to achieve this peace. It is illogical. It makes no sense. It transcends human understanding. It is only by connecting with God, surrendering our hurts to him in the middle of the valley. Then we can boldly step out in faith. The last thing that we need to do to make it through the valley, just keep walking. Remember, the verse says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you walk through it one step at a time. Just take the next step, and remember, you never have to take a step alone. God is there holding your hand, holding you up when you don't think you can take another step. He's not up in heaven looking down on you, saying, good luck. He's there with you, At verse four in Psalm 23, this is so stinking cool. There's a strategic change in language. We're about to have some seminary up in here, y'all. The first three verses in Psalm 23 speak about God in the third person. He leads me beside still waters. He guides me into green pastures. He restores my soul. David is talking about God. But when he gets to the valley, it changes to the second person. He stops talking about God and he starts talking to God. You are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. It's the valleys of life where we get to come face to face with the God of the universe. It's no longer knowing about God or knowing what to do. It's about knowing God and asking what to do. That's where you find the peace in the valley. That's where you find the strength to just keep walking. But there's hope. You may not see it at the time, there's hope. Let's look at the very last verse of Psalm 23, verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness and mercy will never leave us in this life. And there is a wonderful joy ahead, the promise of heaven. If we follow our shepherd through the valleys, he will lead us to his greater purpose for our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The pain is temporary. The heartache will subside. Our permanent home is in heaven, not in our dark valleys. I wanna go back to that question, what now? We all have what now prayers. For some of you, your what now prayer is joining the church. Maybe you've been coming here for a while and you've never officially done that. We got a membership class coming up, y'all. Church is a beautiful place where we are all broken. We are all going through the valleys of life and my hope is that God, he's going with you and you see that and that he's pushing you towards other people who are going through it with you together. If you're not in a life group, you're selling yourselves short. Maybe that's your what now today. You have brothers and sisters who will walk with you in life's up and downs because they're coming. Stop worrying about the what ifs and let's work on our what now prayers together. Maybe for some of you, your what now is inviting God, the good shepherd, into your life for the very first time stepping out in faith and believing that he is who he says he is that Jesus really is the son of god and he really did leave perfect heaven to come to this imperfect world that he really did live a perfect life and die as the perfect sacrifice for you offering you the gift of salvation through faith and last verse that we're going to talk through is john 3:16 maybe you've heard it before Maybe you've heard it a hundred times. Maybe you've heard it a thousand times. Maybe it's the first time you ever hear it. It's the gospel all wrapped up in one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. It is through Christ that we are all saved. And when we follow Christ, we can have hope and joy no matter what Dark Valley's life has to offer. If God is meeting you there today, it's simple. We thank God for what he's done, and we ask him for what we need. I'd like to invite everyone right here, right now, to close your eyes and to bow your head. We are all going to pray this out loud together. Even if you've prayed it before, we're gonna make sure that everyone in here feels comfortable inviting Jesus into our hearts. Let's go ahead, let's pray. Y'all can just go ahead and follow along with me on this. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you love me, and that you will never leave me. God, I admit that I am a sinner and that I need you. Thank you that you sent your son to die for my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. And I invite your Holy Spirit to live with me all the days of my life. I love you, Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, God will never leave you. He is your good shepherd. Now it's your job to let him lead you. I know that some of you guys today are going through the toughest, darkest valleys of your life. And for that, I'm sorry, but there's hope. And I wanna lift that up in prayer right here, right now. Let's pray for that too. Thank you, Jesus, for everyone here in this room, for everyone with us online. For everyone with us out in Atascacita, I pray that no matter how dark the valleys in life may seem, that we can have faith that you are there to lead us through. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to fear because you are with us. That we don't have to be good enough to handle our burdens, God, because you are. Lord, we want your peace that makes no sense. Make us more resilient, pressing on through the valleys of life with you at our side. Bring us clarity, God as we continue to ask, what now? We trust you, Lord, we love you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Last thing I wanna pray for. Parents, I don't know if y'all know this, but school's starting this week. I know in this room we have parents, we've got students, we've got teachers. This is an incredible, incredible opportunity I mean, y'all, if anybody in here been through junior high, you know that's a whole valley itself, right? But we've got an incredible opportunity to lift up our students, to be praying for our parents, and to be praying for our teachers. So I wanna lift up a prayer for that right now. Let's pray for our parents and our students. God, we love you. God, we thank you for the families here in Woodlands Church. I pray for every single parent, God, that you can give them wisdom wisdom God, that you can let them know what to do in all the crazy seasons of life, but especially as they're raising their kids, God, and as they send their kids off to school to learn, God, I pray God, that you can instill within them the authority that you granted to love them, to honor their kids, to discipline their kids, to support their kids, to provide for their kids in every way, God, that you do all these things for us. God, let us as parents be an extension of your love for our kids. God, for the students out there, I pray that they can have a tender heart towards that discipline. God, I pray that they can hold on to you no matter what life, no matter what school is gonna throw their way, God. That there are gonna be challenges but those challenges are there to grow them into who you are calling them to be. We thank you for our students. God, we love them and we know you do too. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook Podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us.